Welcome to Digital Health Today, the podcast focused on the leaders, innovators and technologies transforming healthcare today and tomorrow. Find us online at digitalhealthtoday.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Digital Health Today, the place to be to get the insights of leaders making the healthcare of tomorrow available today. I'm your host, Dan Kendall, and this is episode 91. You know, sometimes you read or hear something and it really makes a strong impression. With all the messages we're bombarded with every day, sometimes there's that one thing that really sticks out. For example, I remember reading an article in Moby Health News back in 2013 that was written by Brian Dolan. Now, I went back and looked it up and the article was entitled, Busy Quarter for Digital Health, But Pharma Still Absent. I'll include a link in the show notes so you can find that article easily. In that article about health innovation and investment, Brian basically asked the question, where's pharma? He included a quote from David Shaywitz, who, I should mention, has a terrific podcast himself called Tectonics, which he co-hosts with Lisa Sunan. Here's what David said, quote, The contrast between the transformative potential of digital health and characterizing disease and contributing to impactful treatments and the investment by pharma in actually doing this remains striking, end quote. David went on to express that he believed the dichotomy between the reality and the potential reflected the conservative nature of pharmaceutical companies. And essentially, the article broadcast a challenge for the entire industry to demonstrate leadership in this area. Now, I remember reading this, and being the optimist that I am, I was thinking to myself, this is it. The industry is going to start making changes now. And indeed, that's exactly what's happened. I'm not saying it's because of Brian's article or David's insights, although I'm sure they would both love to take credit. Sorry, guys. But the market forces began to move in such a way that around that time, 2013, we really started to see the beginning of a movement, and it's been growing ever since. The pharmaceutical industry withstands a lot of criticism. There's no hiding that fact. It's sort of a popular thing to do to pile in on big business, but we shouldn't let that detract from the great work they do to prevent disease and preserve, restore, and improve health. We rely on pharma. We need pharma companies to be successful in creating new therapies, and in many ways, our very lives depend on it. Right now, in 2019, we're experiencing the most rapid changes in the healthcare sector in all of history. In pharma, like every other industry, is working to adapt and embrace the rapid technological innovation that is taking place in every aspect of our lives. In this episode, I spoke to a leader who is charged with this very mission. My guest today is Dr. Francesca Wutke. Francesca is the chief digital officer of Almeral, an international pharmaceutical company founded in 1943 and based in Barcelona, which is also where Francesca is based. Francesca is responsible for developing and executing an end-to-end company-wide digital transformation. In her role, she's responsible for finding use cases to apply digital solutions and services across the business and to bring efficiencies that save time, lower costs, and open up new business channels for Almeral. In this conversation, Francesca shares her insights on what's being done and what needs to be done to accelerate innovation within pharma. I should also mention that Francesca gave us just a little glimpse into a new accelerator program that they've developed at Almeral. Now, since the time we recorded this episode, they've actually announced the name of that new program, which is the Digital Garden Powered by Almeral. If you want to know more about that program when it's launched in the next few months, go to our website and subscribe to our newsletter. You can subscribe and get all the notes and links from this episode at digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash 91. Now, let's tune into the conversation with Dr. Francesca Wutke, Chief Digital Officer of Almeral. Francesca, thanks for joining me. Welcome to the program. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me today. I want to get into some of the details about your role and your experiences, but first, can you tell the listeners a little bit more about your current company, Almeral? 
Sure. So Almoral is based in Barcelona. We're a specialty pharma company focused on skin health. And we have products across the globe in affiliates in over 50 countries. Now, you're back in a new role there, having previously worked there back in 2015 and 16. That was pretty recent, but this industry has really been accelerating a lot. So has the organization's focus changed or any of the internal workings changed since last time you were there? Yeah, I would say it's changed quite dramatically. There's an increased focus on both external innovation and also innovation from a technology perspective. And it's quite a new management team as well since I last was here in 2015. Now, when we were discussing your role before, you described your position as having a worldwide focus for mining digital solutions that were applicable to the various markets and use cases. That sounds pretty broad, and that was probably intentional so that you have really freedom to operate. So what are some of the things that you're doing to focus in on certain areas and establish priorities within the business? Yeah, I think the mandate is quite broad. It's really the end-to-end digital transformation. To get us started, though, we're focused on a couple of key areas to start building our platform. So, for example, we're creating the appropriate data architecture to then launch an advanced analytics program that will provide us insights across the organization. Another thing that we're working on is working to augment efforts within the R&D space, as an example, AI-enabled drug discovery or software-enabled clinical trial management solutions. And of course, we're working with our commercial teams to improve our current and near-term launches as well with digital solutions and services. Excellent. I want to get into some more of those details a little bit later in the conversation. But first, let's talk about some of the challenges because you're an American living and working overseas like me. You've been over here for a number of years and you have experience working across a global marketplace. So I want to ask you about the unique challenges as well as the unique opportunities that exist in the European context because there are certainly plenty in both categories, both challenges and opportunities. Let's take on the challenges first. What are some of the key challenges that we're facing and how do they fit into the global context of change that's happening in health broadly and pharma specifically? Well, I would say one of the biggest changes facing pharma, particularly in Europe, is the shift to value-based healthcare. So finding a solution that can help both generate and then evaluate data that's applicable for the real world is a key area of focus for many pharmaceutical companies, and it is for us as well. And that can be done in a number of ways. Many of them are, are still quite traditional in nature, registries, phase four clinical studies. I think there are a number of digital solutions that can be utilized to generate real-world data and then to analyze for real-world evidence that can provide fodder to payers and regulators alike. Well, we've seen a lot of headlines about just global change happening and some of the pushback on it in various industries. And obviously, the political machines are moving across Europe and across uh, North America. What are some of the opportunities that we have or that exist specifically for Europe or for pharma companies at this juncture? I think there are a lot. I've been seeing a loosening from regulators with regard to incorporating data and bring your own devices for generating data from sensors and monitors. So I think the landscape is certainly changing in a way that's positive, certainly from the perspective of digital solutions and services. I also have recently seen a huge focus on digital therapeutics and using software-enabled medicines as a means to improve patient care. So the last I heard in a conference I was in is that 
15 pharmaceutical companies are currently working on plans for digital therapeutics, and over $7 billion of R&D spending has been deployed so far. Wow, that's incredible. That meeting that you were attending, was that the tech tour in Lausanne? That was. That was the Tech Tour Health Tech Summit in Lausanne. It was a a great meeting of a number of digital health startups and entrepreneurs, as well as a lot of investors interested in the space. It is one of my favorite European conferences. I'm sorry to have missed it this year, but it's definitely on my calendar for 2020. And I do encourage people to go and and check that out uh, on their website. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. But yeah, it's a great meeting. And uh, I'm glad that you got a lot out of that. So generally speaking, when we're trying to make these sorts of innovations and changes within any organization, within any industry, there's often an immune response that comes up. And we see that so many times, and you've worked in various roles in a time of real change here in the industry. How do you manage the immune response within an organization? Is there anything you can do to prevent it from kicking in, or is it just simply a matter of managing it once it crops up? Well, I think the pharmaceutical industry in general is often slow to implement Uh, new ways of working and new business models. So I think digital transformation is really no different. You know, for many people who have been in the field for years and years, they're accustomed to a certain way of working, a certain way, for example, of gathering data, of presenting data, of interacting with stakeholders, whether they're patients or caregivers or physicians or payers. So that's certainly changing. And I think the democratization of healthcare and the empowerment that patients are feeling in terms of taking control of their own health care is really propelling a lot of this change. So I would say there are always skeptics within the organizations. It certainly helps if the mandate is clear and if it's a, a journey meant for everyone to be on board with as well. Can you give some examples of ways that you've seen innovation done well yeah, I would say the the big pharmas are really doing some interesting things in the space. I would say the recent partnership between Novartis Sandoz and Pair Therapeutics and getting a digital therapeutic approved for opioid dependency is a great example of really seeing true innovation happen that benefits patients. Certainly Roche has made some big bets with regard to data in particular, with the acquisition of Flatiron and Foundation Medicine. So I think there are pockets of really good examples in the space and in the industry. I, I would say Otsuka with Proteus and Abilify MySite is another good example. I think more needs to be done to integrate digital initiatives within the mindset of the individual teams rather than having a more siloed digital approach where digital happens somewhere else and it's less integrated into the strategic objectives of the company overall. I think that one of the challenges within a a sector like pharmaceuticals is to really try to describe what exactly digital transformation means and actually defining what it is and where it applies within an organization. So I, I know sometimes in some organizations, people think digital is anything that has to do with, you know, anything you plug into a wall or has software on it. So whether it's computer problems and upgrades or email systems or websites, that seems to get thrown into, at least in some people's minds, into a digital bucket. So how are you managing that? And have you found that sort of thing within your own organization now that just even talking about the basics of what defining the role of digital is, is important to getting people along on the journey? Yeah, it's interesting you asked that. That, I found, was one of the, the biggest challenges early on. So just defining digital. And what I found was we held a, a workshop that was initially meant to be about 
20 people to get together, the kind of digital leaders within the organization. There was so much interest that it ballooned to about 60 people. And there, we were hoping to level set the organization with regard to how we're defining digital. And it was really quite level setting for me because I realized there was just such disparity from team to team, person to person with regard to what they were considering digital. And for some, using electronic platforms, or as you said, anything that's on your mobile or on your computer was considered digital. I see a lot of those as enabling platforms, but not really digital. So it it took us a long time to come up with a, a clear and coherent definition for digital that we can use across the organization. And ultimately, we define digital as the use of new technologies and, I think importantly, insights derived from data to change how we're working and innovating to create growth opportunities for Almiral, so to create different areas of the business that previously we hadn't thought of before. So what we're hoping to do is rather than digitize processes, so for example, taking a marketing leaflet and converting it to PDF and then putting that on an iPad, we're looking to do something where we're transacting with data in a more meaningful way and offering a a different area for the business to grow. Yeah, I wanted to ask about some of those things in terms of the workshop that you just had. And when we spoke about this before, you mentioned that one of the ways that you got people to articulate their views is really to ask them what what was keeping them up at night. And is there a digital solution that can align their interests and get their objectives to really reflect what we're all doing together? So can you tell us a little bit more about that, about how you got people to sort of tease out about what the power of digital is within their business units or within their business function? Sure. So I'm I'm a huge proponent of not doing digital for the sake of digital and not just having it be cool tech because it's trendy and interesting and sexy to people. I'd much rather do something that adds value and that's aligned with the strategy of the organization. So we've spent over the past four months an incredible amount of time talking to the teams and trying to understand exactly what you said, you know, what's keeping them up at night? What are the burning questions that they have about their day to day? And in that process, unearthing gaps that potentially could be filled in part with digital solutions and services. There are some that can't, and so those won't be the areas that we're focusing on. But for those where there could be value, thinking through, you know, what's the best way to deliver value for those gap-filling exercises? You know, we're seeing two interesting things happening in the industry. You know, in the past, things have been sort of top-down. Investments in technology have sort of been organized at a big level. Large investments, capital, and operation budgets are set aside to implement new technologies. And then we've seen over the past several years sort of a bottom-up approach with tools like Slack and others that are very easy to use that don't require management approval for teams to begin using and implementing on a very free and scalable level. And then they find themselves rising up as they take advantage of more systems and capabilities of these platforms. And now we're seeing sort of a both and, right? We need sort of a top down as well as a bottom up approach. You need to get the people involved and create apps and solutions and services that can serve the people who are performing these tasks and pursuing these goals. But you also need the management buy-in. I imagine that's part of the reason that you have this new role at Almiral is to try to reinforce or or, uh, facilitate that management buy-in. And what are some of the things that the organization is doing to try to align objectives across the various levels of the organization? 
Yeah, I do think that having the right leadership in place helps the digital transformation efforts. And there was a, an interesting article that McKinsey put out recently around, you know, learnings from others in terms of their digital transformation across different industries, what's worked successfully and, and what perhaps we can all learn from in terms of what types of things have been tried. And I think the leadership piece is quite an important one. I think if there's backing from the leadership and from both senior managers as well as the board of directors, that certainly sets the right tone for how best to execute on a digital transformation strategy or plan. I think also creating the right incentives for the team members and making sure that the objectives are aligned so that the individual team members have objectives related to uh, digital projects embedded in their performance certainly helps as well because I think if everyone has a little bit of skin in the game, there's more motivation to work hard uh, you know, to reach these strategic objectives and initiatives. I'm speaking with Dr. Francesca Wutke of Almoral. When we come back, we'll hear more about Almoral's new initiative to connect with startups and innovators, and we'll explore the best ways to foster collaboration between startups and corporations. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after a word from one of our sponsors. I'm back and I'm here with Dr. Francesca Wutke, Chief Digital Officer of Almoral, We were just discussing leadership and the execution of a digital transformation plan, and you mentioned the importance of aligning business objectives with incentives. And earlier in the conversation, you mentioned successful collaborations like the one with Novartis and Pair Therapeutics. I'm curious, what are some of the things that you're doing to make Almoral an innovation and startup-friendly company? Yeah, I think there are, there are a number of things we're looking to do. First, we're trying to upskill the team so that they can take control of some of the activities themselves. Using fewer agencies and more startups is kind of my mantra uh, with the teams, because what I don't want us to do is to just outsource things that maybe could be better leveraged with a startup company and also using the startups to teach the rest of the organization about different ways of working. So we're working with a few startups already. We're looking to continue those relationships and expand those relationships. But I I think having the teams lead some of those efforts allows them to certainly upskill themselves and learn different business strategies, but also helps the startups as well. For me, it's really important that we're a friendly partner for startups. Having seen startups suffer through investment processes and pharma partnerships, we've created here a different path for approval of the startups versus other partners. So for example, you can't give a startup a 400-page contract because they simply don't have the bandwidth or the legal spend to get through that. So now we have a sort of agreement with procurement that when we have something come through that it's treated a bit with kid gloves just to make sure that it's startup friendly. Excellent. I should mention that you've shared with me a document that you helped to develop with our friend Martin Kelly and his team over at Health XL. Martin's been a guest on the program. We'll make sure we include a link to his episode in the show notes for this podcast. It's called The 12 Commandments for Startups and Corporate Relationships. It's a great document. I have it printed here in front of me. It's for both corporates and startups, so there are things that really apply on both sides. Are there any particular lessons that you'd like to highlight from these 12 commandments? You know, it's a pretty basic one, but I think, you know, treating each other with respect and with kindness, it sounds 
silly and not a very important business suggestion, but it really goes a long way. So putting yourself in the shoes of the startup, trying to understand what their concerns are and trying to be as reactive and respectful as possible, obviously within the bounds of your own internal processes. But I think that really goes a long way to create a very collaborative process where you can then co-develop a solution that best fits your needs. Yeah, I think within that one that you just identified, which is number five out of the 12, incidentally, you've just touched on several other aspects that are within these 12, but really just go to good partnerships, which is you know one of the things for corporates to do is to really say no quickly. If you're going to say no, do it quickly because these startups don't have the time or the resource to really wait around for long decision-making processes to try to get to a yes. But then also share and explain the needs of the corporation, which you know I yeah. know that's part of your role and what you're doing and with all the different experience that you've had in companies of different sizes and on different sides of the clinical and commercial environment. I'm sure that's something you'll really bring and continue to foster within Almoral. What can we expect to see in the coming 12 to 24 months? Anything you'd like to give us a little glimpse of right now? Sure. Well, we're currently in the process of expanding the team. So hopefully soon we'll be able to share some of our really exciting hires with you. Excellent. Um, and I think that is also going to change the face of how others perceive Almoral from a digital mindset as well, because these are some pretty impressive, I would say, digital leaders that we're really, really pleased to, to have joining us. I think the biggest thing that we're doing to propel our cultural transformation is the initiation of our in-house accelerator where we're looking to invite startup companies to help co-create different digital solutions with us, but also to mentor them and to help them with learning about the pharma industry, but also providing some kind of back office support and, and mentoring the startup companies with the goal that they would graduate then onto venture capital funding through um, the network of investors that we've sort of curated as a team over the years. So that's an exciting piece, and we hope to be launching that late fall. Brilliant. That sounds fantastic. I love it. I can't wait to hear more about it. Uh, when you're ready to tell us more about it, be sure to, to let us know. We'll share it out with our audience. Is there anything in particular you're looking for? Any particular types of partners or startups or professionals that you'd like to hear from? Yeah, I think we're in the process now of building our data and advanced analytics platform. And so we're really interested in acquiring partners and, and looking for collaborators that can help us analyze the wealth of data that we have in-house and also through an exercise that we've done, kind of a data needs mapping, decide on, on what we need externally. So I would say that's an area of interest for us as an organization. Also very customer-facing approaches. So how do we get to customers where they are? We're working on a, a project now to draw patients to physicians to help them get to a speedier diagnosis and help them get to treatment faster. So I would say on the data analytics side, certainly we're looking for partners as well as on the customer and patient engagement side. Excellent. And how can people who are listening who fit those profiles, how can they get in touch or how can they raise their hand and, and begin a conversation? Yeah, feel free to send me an email at uh, francesca.watke, that's F-R-A-N-C-E-S-C-A dot Watke, W-U-T-T-K-E at almiral, A-L-M-I-R-A-L-L dot com. 
Excellent. Well, we don't like to include the email addresses on the show notes because of spam bots and things. We don't want your inbox to get filled with that, but I really do appreciate you sharing that with our listeners. We will, however, include a LinkedIn link on the show notes. So if you want to find Francesca and just confirm the spelling of her first and last names there, just go to the show notes for this and you'll find a LinkedIn profile and you can probably get reach out to her there as well. Absolutely. So is there anything else that you'd like to make sure that listeners know about what you're working on and the things that you're doing in the industry? Well, um, hopefully soon we can keep you posted on, on some of our news, and we're looking forward to chatting with you in the future. Fantastic. Francesca, thanks so much for joining me on the program. Thanks so much, Dan. Appreciate it. That was Dr. Francesca Woodkey, Chief Digital Officer of Almoral. You can find the show notes on our website at digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash 91. That's also where you can download the document she referenced, the 12 Commandments for Startups and Corporate Relationships. Again, that was put together by Health Excel, Almaral, and a host of other industry leaders. While you're tapping on your phone, please take a moment to give us a quick review on iTunes. If you want to drop me a line, you can find me on email at dan at digitalhealthtoday.com or on Twitter at healthtechdan. That's all for me for now. I look forward to connecting with you in episode 92. And until next time, Keep on innovating.